Hello, my name is Chris McHugh. I'm the Director of the Centre for Sustainable Finance at the London Institute of Banking and Finance. I'm joined today by Belinda Scott, who is Vice President and Head of Corporate Sustainability at First Abu Dhabi Bank, and also by Ahmed Elbamali, who's the Managing Director of the Clean Energy Business Council. And the topic for today, we're going to take a, a deep dive into sustainable finance and really just some of, explore some of the issues that are relevant to the, uh, to the MENA region um, and, and cover topics also from the finance, but also from the, the technology perspective as well. If I could start perhaps by asking uh, my guests to introduce themselves and Belinda, perhaps if you could uh, explain your role and, and how you relate to sustainable finance, uh, please, that would be, that'd be very helpful. Thank you, Chris. Yes. Um, so I work um, first Abu Dhabi Bank and I have um, several work streams um, that I'm responsible for. One is sustainable finance in that um, I have oversight at the moment for the Green Bond Committee and due diligence and allocation of assets for our Green Bond. Um, and I also work very closely with our colleagues in um, group um, funding and in CIB. In CIB, I work with the team to um, develop KPIs for sustainable loans or sustainability linked loans. Um, my second area of responsibility is producing all of the annual reports linked to sustainability, the ESG report, the green bonds or the sustainable um, finance report, the equator report and the I work with um, investor relations to make sure that we respond to indices and in investor requests. Um, the third area that I'm responsible for is the development of a group-wide sustainability and ESG strategy. And the fourth part is a new area um, on inclusive um, banking and finance, um, which has come out from, based on regulations that have come out um, from central UA Central Bank on um, consumer protection. So it's, it's sort of making sure that all members of society, especially the vulnerable and marginalised groups, have access to finance and, and financial knowledge. Well, thank you. No, that's very interesting. It's a very broad, um, broad remit. And I hope you can sort of bring some of those examples in as we as we talk. And Ahmed, perhaps can I turn to you and, and ask you to sort of talk about your work at the, the Clean Energy Business Council? Sure. Thank you very much, Chris, for having me. Uh, as you mentioned, I manage uh, the Clean Energy Business Council. Uh, we are a not-for-profit membership organisation. Uh, based out of the UAE, but we also cover Middle East and North Africa region, the MENA region. Uh, the ultimate mission of CBC is basically to accelerate the policy maturity across the different clean energy topics across the MENA region. And we do that by really doing, uh, acting as a voice of the private sector uh, when we speak to the government entities across the region. Uh, we cover specific topics and of course finance is a key enabler for all the topics we cover. Namely, we cover uh, low carbon hydrogen, looking at uh, blue and the green hydrogen, uh, looking at energy storage, uh, electric mobility, energy efficiency, whether it's for the building sector or industrial energy efficiency. And last but not least, also uh, women in clean energy. And uh, the, the, the core topic that really collects or uh, uh, connects very well to all the topics as well is climate finance, which a topic is that we, that we are very active in. Namely, we work on uh, specific subtopics within climate finance. Uh, some of them, Belinda already mentioned, the green debit market. Um, uh, uh, I mentioned some examples we did in uh, that specific topic. We work in the carbon markets and how this is linked to uh, climate finance and acceleration for uh, access to financing for renewable energy projects in the region. 
And uh, the, the last uh, or the most recent topic that we started to look at is how could we also make it uh, easy for uh, small and medium companies to have access to financing through more innovative financial instruments as well. Um, we do a lot of research uh, on the side as well to educate and inform uh, the policymakers. And uh, we do a lot of events also to connect the different stakeholders and, and the different topics I mentioned across the region. That's, that's basically what we do at CBC. That's excellent. So I have two wonderfully complementary uh, viewpoints that we can, we can explore. What I'd like to, to do, first of all, maybe I'll come to you first, Belinda, and sort of think about the, the integration of sustainable initiatives within the financial services sector in, in the MENA region. I mean, I'm curious on your perspectives of how that has progressed, whether you see differences between the global, the local banks, um, and, and what's working well, what isn't sort of moving as quickly as you would like. It's, it's actually very interesting that you say that. So there's several things that are happening um, in the region that are trying to accelerate the uptake of um, sustainability and sustainable finance um, in the region. And that's very much driven by, um, in Abu Dhabi at least, by the Abu Dhabi Global Markets Sustainable um, Finance Consultative Working Group. And they've been trying to work in the area that... Um, my colleague at CBC just said um, is around, um, you know, how can we we help new technology um, around renewables to get access to finance? Um, but what's interesting is we're seeing that the uptake of of sustainability and sustainable finance has is, is been taken very seriously by the international banks across the region, and like Standard Chartered and HSBC have got big teams that are being developed to deliver um, a wide range of products and services. And then you've got the, the local and regional banks um, that are um, beginning to, um, to sort of move towards, towards this. I think that there's still a lot of work to be done. And um, FAB is, is recognized as, as um, being a leader in this space. We've issued more green bonds, I think, over the last couple of years than any of the other banks. But that's not to say that, that we're yet on a par or whether we ever will be on a par with the likes of Standard Chart and HSBC that have got massive um, access to resources um, to provide those sorts of services. But things are changing. And I would say, I was saying a couple of months ago, if you'd asked me 18 months ago, um, and it's probably even, um, you know, during COVID, things have moved quite significantly. And... And I think that, that we see now that there's growing interest in things like TCFD um, in the region. We were, although we were the first to sign it, you know, I see that, that QMB is very interested in, in picking up um, this, this sort of commitment. And, and so I think, and it, what, what I, I'm seeing is that there's an interest now in the, the big corporates in the region that are looking for sustainable finance um, products and services. So there is definite movement. And, and whilst I guess that I think that, that what, what the local banks can do rather than just the, where, where traditionally everybody was looking to the international banks is whilst they've got the big resources, it's the actual regional, sorry, the regional banks and local banks that understand, I think, in a way that perhaps the internationals don't, the needs and expectations from the big um, corporates, um, whether they're government owned or semi-government owned or even private in the region and what their specific needs are. So I see that there's a, more of a, a growing expectation 
from those organisations that the local banks now start developing their knowledge and expertise in, in sustainable finance. And Ahmed, does that, does that reflect your experience from the other side in terms of your clients? Because you mentioned SMEs, and I think SMEs are really interesting because they aren't necessarily banked by, by some of the large institutions that Belinda mentioned. Do, do you have a similar perspective from your side? Completely, yes. Um, just to give you some data as well, um, this is uh, an exercise with the end of last year, um, trying to uh, collect data about all the issuances, uh, collect the data about all the green issuances in the region. So uh, we have the data at the end of 2020. And uh, just to confirm what Belinda mentioned, the total um, uh, amount of outstanding green debit products in the region, the end of 2020, that was 9.7 billion USD. It's not a huge amount, but given the, the time frame, these issuances were actually announced. This is a remark, remarkable achievement. And if you look at the breakdown, you'll find almost 45% uh, or 44% of this were Sharia compliant, which is called Sukuk, the Islamic bond, basically. You have almost 21% uh, mixed uh, issuances, and you have almost 36% uh, conventional issuances. But again, in total, this is a very good progress. And if you look at the different initiatives, since we are talking about initiatives, uh, I think one of the examples also to, uh, since we are speaking about the initiatives, um, a country like Egypt uh, has issued the first civilian green bond in the region. I think, I think that speaks a lot about um, what kind of um, uh, mindset the governments in the region have started to have. Uh, they also started the Sustainable Finance Center, which actually is looking at uh, what kind of instruments that can the government adopt to accelerate sustainable finance in the region. And I, I think going back to your main question about the SMEs and their um, the accessibility to sustainable finance and how they are looking at sustainable finance in the region, um, it's an area that still needs a lot of work. Um, there is no a lot of investment on small and medium projects. I think we see most of the um, uh, sustainable finance uh, or issued uh, bonds and SUKUK are mainly targeted to the mega projects. So uh, we have done uh, a survey that uh, is looking really at the access or how much uh, VC or venture capital and private equity funds are available for the small and medium companies. And we actually are struggling to find even startups in the space, no investors also in the space. So I think that's an area that uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done from policymakers to encourage more companies to really develop the technology locally and also to uh, encourage investors and create some incentives for them to also look at that sector. Because otherwise, if we just develop or build the mega projects, projects and um, export the technology, or import the technology, sorry, I don't think that's that's good for um, ESG on the long term. So I think that has to change. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that space, which we can discuss at later. Yeah, I think you sort of anticipated my next question because I was going to, we've talked a lot about debt and then you brought up the subject of, of equity. Um, so, so if I'm hearing you correctly, so, so the SMEs, it isn't all about bonds and they're not, they're not able to tap the market anyway, but actually they need some, some more sort of um, forgiving capital, longer term capital, whether that comes in the form of, of uh, you know, sort of equity or more patient investments, which would, would help. And do, do you, final question, I'm going to flip back to Belinda, actually. So do, do you feel that um, there is something that the governments can do to, you mentioned the sovereign bonds, so they facilitate for the big market transactions, but would, would you like to see them think about what they can do to facilitate the equity side as well? Sort of the role of policy 
um, I suppose, and, and governments in terms of, of facilitating equity? Yeah, so I, I think initiatives like what Perindo already mentioned about WW Global Market of creating this um, platform which connects the investors with um, uh, companies or the different um, um, industry players in the sector. Uh, with the working group we had at ADGM was also the, the Abu Dhabi September Finance Declaration, which basically sets the guidelines for uh, what, what really falls under sustainable finance within the region. I think that's really a good push because you need, you need to start with awareness for the different uh, stakeholders, including governments, industry players, and even uh, uh, individual investors. So mm. I think that's, that's the first step you need to start with, raise awareness around everyone uh, who is involved or should be involved in the sector. And I think what, what comes next is really to look at um, all the different case studies of the countries that have developed this elsewhere and try to learn from them what has um, succeeded and what could be replicated in this region. Uh, you don't have to um, uh, invent the wheel again. I think there's a lot of uh, successful case studies that we can learn from and see what kind of policy framework that we could have, which would potentially encourage more investors to look into this sector through the study that we have been doing, we have been speaking to a lot of the VCs, and the, the, the main answer would say, we are interested to invest in climate tech startups, but we don't see any of them in the region. And when we speak to the entrepreneurs, we have a lot of ideas, but we don't see the investors in the region. So I think there has to be this kind of uh, framework that would encourage all of them, because there's a lot of opportunity in the region, like you have some almost of the uh, most of the days of the year, so there has Geographically, the region is very unique in terms of the resources to create a lot of this business models and ideas and innovation, but you have to really have this policy framework that would encourage both sides to really spend time and resources into this. And once you have this, I think it's, it's, it becomes very organic. So you will have this company start to replicating, you have a lot of acquisitions, you have a lot of expansion. And that's I, just before this call, I had uh, one of the big, uh, uh, investment firms in Southeast Asia, they, they, they had a call with me, with me and they said, we are really scouting for startups from Middle East who have technologies that could be replicated elsewhere. I said, we are doing the same for companies elsewhere who could come and really educate the, the companies here. So I, I think there's a lot of potential, but there has to be um, a starting point. And I think for this region with the kind of structure we have, it has to come from the government. Um, that's what I, I would say. Yeah, thank you. So Belinda, actually, sort of on a similar note, so the question I have for you is you, you've described a lot of the things that you currently do as a bank. Obviously, we, we're familiar, you mentioned the green bond framework and, and indices and, and et cetera. Are there any particular gaps that you see in sort of the banking portfolio, things that you would like to be able to do at a bank, but you haven't quite found the, the way to, to get it done? Um, are there any particular things that you would you would cite? It's interesting that you've asked that question. Um, we, because we are actually um, developing our uh, sustainability strategy, one of the things that we're actually doing at the moment is we're engaging with a lot of our customers to sort of get them to think about where they, where they think their organization is going and what it would look like in maybe a five year horizon and a 10 year horizon. And then based on how they think that that their, their business will change based on the different sustainability issues, climate change, et cetera, then how would, what is it that they would be expecting from us as a bank? So that we're, instead of 
developing almost off-the-shelf um, services and products for them, that we're actually engaging with them to understand what their needs are, and then we can start developing um, services and products for them that actually are quite niche um, and, and develop to their needs. Because I think that that's the way that, that finance seems to be going now um, in terms of, of, of all of the challenges, especially as we start looking at the... because climate itself if we use it if i if i just use climate as an example um what will what will finance need to 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 adjust to because of climate and because we don't know we're all looking at scenarios as you know um you know it's sort of like trying to think about what those scenarios might be but if we've got also our customers help thinking about the, the same sort of thing then we can work together to meet their needs going forward so that's the way that we're looking at, at it rather than there being gaps and off the shelf yeah that's that's very interesting so now i'm going to ask you perhaps a harder question directly so when you think let's get region specific what do you mm. think the most tricky problems are that you uh well we i suppose you but you specifically need to try and solve in the the region um so i think that it's looking at you know we're, we're based on oil and gas and fossil fuel um, economies and you know the markets that some of those organizations serve aren't really they're, they're not multinational they're they're based in in the country so they're probably not going to transition because they they are here with markets that they they supply and we i mean you know as much as we might want to say let's get rid of oil and gas at the end of the day there's communities in africa that and you know countries that, that they don't have infrastructure to take in anything else and so oil and gas are going to be around for a long time so you know some of these oil oil and gas companies might not transition to anything else they're just going to stay where they are that raises issues around um you know whole things around net zero and and you know if the banks here commit to net zero and the uae or the the saudi commit to net zero then does that mean that we can't actually finance those those um, industries and so we're looking at issues around that which i don't think we if even you know like a couple of months ago we probably hadn't thought about it like that so again it's from those sorts of of, of, of um growing discussions and understanding where obviously um there's the the move into green hydrogen and there is solar they aren't necessarily that so you've got companies I, I use tucker as an as an example which is an energy company that is looking at different things and then you've got the mubadala adnoc um and i can't remember the other one but it was that you know they come up with this this coalition to support the the green hydrogen um and the blue ammonia development but but other you know beyond that are they going to transition to anything else no but maybe it's just that they're going to focus on trying to get their emissions down and things but yeah we, so we've got really interesting issues um around what the economy is built on that that will you know throw up some some challenges that we really need to think about how we're going to get around yes and i might answer if, your question no it will it down I and mean, it's because it's a hard question because I, mean, I think one of the challenges you say i'll be net yeah. zero the next question is how are you going to get there and that's that's really quite a tricky 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 one to answer exactly um yeah and Armin, of course yeah. i'm going to ask you you the same question we get region specific um we sort of thinking from your perspective about the the trickiest problems 
we've talked about the funding and various things, but what do you see as the, the, the issues that you would like uh, to sort of resolve quickly? Yeah, I think if uh, there's, there's something good that we see now, uh, which is a lot of the countries and a lot of the Emirates, or also if you speak about the UAE, have clean energy strategies, either it's 2030, 2050, so there are different strategies. But if you, if you really read these strategies, um, you, the motivation actually behind this is not fully clear. So I think we have to go back to the basics. We have to go and see if it's really done for economic reasons, for environmental reasons, for social reasons, or for all of the above. And I think it has to be all of them. If you really look on, only at the economic reasons, there will be still a missing pace and a lot of um, uh, inequalities will result out of this. So I think the main mission is to build um, a vision. I think the main thing is the main challenge we see is to build that vision based on a specific requirements that or which is a specific input that are locally uh, designed based on um, uh, you, the, the needs of your people. Um, I, th I think there's a lot of work has to be done in this and there's a lot of long discussion in this as well. And the other thing I think uh, that needs to, to, we, to be looked at is the integration of the financial industry into this equation. You have to look at um, climate risk and disclosure. And I think one thing that's missing when you speak to the banks and investors, they don't really consider climate risk as a financial risk. Well, it actually is. So this is, uh, it has to be part of the equation. And when you consider all your investment decisions, uh, you, you really have to consider this when you take uh, a decision. Uh, so I think um, just to summarize, it's really hard to go back to these visions and make sure that, sure that the visions are really considering all the ESG uh, principles. And um, accordingly, you would, we can evaluate if it really makes sense or not. Because a lot of the companies, they can't really invest because the whole framework is not clear to them because the vision is not also very detailed in a way that would encourage and incentivize investors or developers to come into the region. So that's that's my my uh, takeaway. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly hugely complex when you have so many a multi-dimensional problem, and then there are conflicts perhaps sometimes between the different objectives. Uh, so not everything is always always aligned. Um, but I'd like to pick up on something you mentioned. We talked about risk, and we know regulators are beginning to think about how banks embed climate risk simulation. And you mentioned TCFD, so that. Um, task force on climate related financial disclosures reporting H how important do you think the reporting is to facilitate change i mean because reporting we sometimes think of a bit like accounting it is reports but 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 is this different this type of reporting do you think i think it is in in this part of the world i've been i've been involved in reporting since 2009 when actually the abu dhabi government entities all started issuing sustainability reports i think they were the highest number of government entities in the world to issue reports and then it all sort of drifted off a bit um i think that that what's happening now is that the with the new you know the, the different sorts of frameworks that are coming out so it was all very gri and you know sort of backward looking and and that but now the the reporting's changing so you've got tcfd and it was it was funny i was in a meeting yesterday and somebody said oh yeah well you know investors are interested in you know the damage that we're doing to the, the environment i said but they're also in, interested in how the climate is going to affect our business and that's what where tcfd comes in so we i think that the, the whole issue around reporting and that it's now become um, for listed companies in the UAE a requirement um, by the by the exchanges and the the regulator um, in the UAE um, that 
it not only um, starts um, to to raise and issues and and create more understanding, but I think it's showing um, that what we've been doing before wasn't necessarily fit for purpose. So. And it's interesting that I've talked to some organizations that have said we're reporting, but we're only doing it internally, we're not doing it externally. I think that that reporting is very important in the region because we're still, it's still new, um, in as much as that um we're not reporting at the same levels as, as elsewhere. But I think that we have the chance to come in at something like using integrated reporting and SASB or and or TCFD. And there's definitely a movement towards uh, interest and using TCFD um, in the region. So I think that, that, that that's going to perhaps make the reporting more standardized and, and it will impact further into the business um, so that you've got to actually do make change to, in order to be able to, to you know, issue something of, of meaning. Um, in terms of industries and things like that, I think that what's, what I see and what's very interesting is that a lot of the, the big investors actually step in their their review and they've got their own their own reporting or, or data collection frameworks that they use to assess um, the, the, the the suitability of the companies in which they are investing and to raise questions. So I'm not sure whether indices at the moment are I think that they're still seen as those desirable to to spend time on but I think that that there still need to be work in those areas to sort of like level them up because there's so much disparity um you know between one to another and in terms of how they they rank organizations so well, Brita, yes, actually, I was wondering whether, you know, the sort of the VCs bring that external scrutiny for the SMEs, maybe that's part of the, the equation. But Ahmed, maybe if I could come to you just for sort of a closing thoughts, really. Um, we've got a few, two, two three minutes left. Um, do you have particular key messages you'd like to iterate or things that you'd like? Or what should, what should people watching this be focusing on from your perspective, from the, uh, from the, the energy side? I think uh, since we are speaking about sustainable finance, I think uh, if we are speaking to the different stakeholders, uh, mainly government, uh, key enablers to encourage more investment is you have to really uh, get rid of the fossil fuels. And there is a very famous quote that uh, the stone age didn't end because of we are out of stone. And accordingly, the fossil fuel age will not end because we are out of fossil fuel. Uh, there's a better option. So I think uh, there has to be um, removal or at least to gradual decrease of the subsidy for fossil fuels. I think that's what encourage more investment in renewable energy by nature. There has to be um, uh, carbon tax. I think that's something essential. If it's not now, then it has to be part of the discussions on short and long term. I think those two specifically would have much uh, faster impact on how we uh, see the investments in the clean energy space. And then there has to be a very, as I mentioned before, a very comprehensive framework that looks at the different aspects of clean energy. Uh, hydrogen is a key, and uh, there's a high on hydrogen now, but we really need to see what's the potential of uh, of takers, the use cases for hydrogen. There's a lot of work in sustainable mobility, which is an area that needs and should be local development as well. There's a lot of opportunity. There's energy efficiency, and like in conclusion, there's a lot of opportunity in the different sectors. So uh, there has to be uh, uh, more effort in the policy side. And from a uh, private sector perspective, since we have been working with a lot of them, companies are really willing to invest and have local development in the region. 
but we just need to start with the policy framework. So hopefully we'll see more uh, mature policies and more uh, encouraging policies in the region very soon. Plenty to, plenty to be done for sure. And Belinda, a couple of sentences, any sort of final closing thoughts that uh, you'd want people to, to take away with them? On a personal level, I'll just give an example. Yesterday, it was 46 degrees here, but the heat index was 56. And, you know, that that puts pressure not only on humans, but, but on, you know, the infrastructure, everything in this, this part of the world. And, and so therefore, I think that, that um, you know, in terms of, of clean energy, renewable energy and financing, I think that we really have to think um, about how we're developing the infrastructure to support um, the, the, the development of our countries in the future that is going to be able to, to manage within such extreme temperatures and how that's going to be financed. Because at the moment, I'm worried that some of the technology that has been developed may not even work at those optimal, at those, at those sorts of temperatures. But also what are those changes and how that you know, rolls out across all sorts of areas like human health and food security. So I think that, that it is, it's very much working with the organizations to understand how they are going to develop the infrastructure of tomorrow and the, the energy supplies of tomorrow, how sustainable they're going to be, and then developing the right financial frameworks and products to help them. And I think it does go back to some of the regulatory and policy requirements. And in terms of SMEs, I see that there's so much um, um, investment at the moment in you know AI and that there needs to be more investment in from the government um, you know in in climate and renewable energy technology because you know we can't have one without the other we you know we can't we can't invest in one thing and not the other because this is basically fundamental about you know our existence really being able to live and 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 survive in in a climate with all of with the, the, these new energy needs. Look, it remains for me to, to thank you both very much for, for spending the time to, to talk to me and for your thoughts. Uh, and for everyone watching, thank you very much for spending the time uh, watching this discussion.